So we're going to talk from Psalm 103, and we're going to remember God's benefits. And it's one of my favorite psalms in the whole Bible. Just read it and uh, get the gist of it and the feeling of it, and it'll automatically put you in a good mood. It's all about God being for us. And uh, so I want to uh, read these uh, wonderful verses today, and uh, entitled this, Remembering God's Benefits and how the Lord takes care of us. I think he was sort of doing that in the worship as we were worshiping. We just became aware of God. But when you become aware of God, you also become aware of what he does and the history. And uh, I believe this time that we're in right now is going to be remembered not only for the suffering that happened, but also for the benefits that happened, for how God met us in trial and tribulation and brought his grace anyway. So uh, I want to just read this uh, Psalm uh, 103 here, and uh, I'm just going to read, I think I'll just read uh, through um, all of it, and then I'll come back through. So you can just get the hang of it. Even if I mess it up, you still get the hang of the song, right? Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And then I like this. And forget not all His benefits. Forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your sins. I like the word all in there, don't you? Heals all your disease. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. It's good, huh? This is a promise. This is something that, you know, we can look forward to. We can uh, stretch up forward, right? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is the correct picture of Jesus. This is the way he is. This is the way God is. This is the way God works. The Lord works righteousness and justice for how many oppressed? All. He's interested in everybody that's oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is gracious, compassionate and gracious. I like this. Slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. There are many things... That may happen, and you may be rebellious and go the completely opposite direction. But even then, he's looking for you, like that prodigal son watching for you to return, hoping you'll return, making your environment, surround your environment in such a way that you will return, right? He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Even when we make mistakes, he doesn't treat us as we deserve. He repay, or pay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. If you think about that for just a moment, that's a dramatic passage of Scripture. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That's pretty high. That's pretty deep. If you think about that, meditate that, really believe that, will change your life right there, right? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. All we have to say is, I did it, I confess, and they're removed. As far as the east is from the west. Isn't it amazing how when we make mistakes, sometimes they seem to linger a little bit in our consciousness or over here or over there. But as far as God's concerned, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He separates them from, as far from us as the east is from the west. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I love that passage. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower on the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting. Wow. That's way past this life. The Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. He knew you were coming. He loved you while you were here. And he appreciates you after you leave this planet, right? Everlasting to everlasting. But those who keep his covenant, remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. What a great psalm. All right, I'm done. I'll see you guys. (laughs) You don't really need to say a whole lot, really. But I will, of course. Matter of fact, I'll probably end up up saying too much. But anyway, I'm working on that. Praising and thanking God with all our heart is the way we remember and celebrate the benefits of our salvation. Our faith is 
stimulated when we celebrate what God has done for us. You see that in the first five verses. He's rejoicing over what God does for us. And we literally enter into the supernatural presence of God. Matter of fact, Psalm 100, verses 1 to 4 say it well. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know the Lord is good, is God, sorry, and good. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. That's exactly what we just did. So when we praise and thank God, there's this place that we reach with the Lord. There's this presence that comes. So we enter his gates, we come into his presence with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. He literally comes, he's literally here, right? And it's a picture of the earthly temple, and they would come in that way. But we come in now in the new temple of God the same way. We come in with this thanksgiving and praise into the supernatural presence of God. And so you can feel that. Some of you felt it today, the joy of it, the, the, the awareness of him, you know? I do anything just to feel that. Like I'm a Holy Spirit addict. I mean, I just, and a worship addict in the sense that I'm sort of addicted to the presence of God. I just like it more than anything else. There's nothing I'd rather do. You don't have to force me to come to any night, any place where there's worship going on. That's why we just take Monday night and we just devote it and we never know when we're going to stop worshiping because the presence is so thick. It's, It's God that we're after, you know. And I like you, and I like my friends here, and I like all of that. And, uh, but what we really came for is the main event. It's the presence of God. You can feel him, and he, he's near. He, he's invisible, yet uh, incredibly visible. So when we worship like this, we, we find ourselves in harmony with other parts of God's creation who do his will, including other believers. The angels, heavenly hosts, and all his works everywhere in his dominion. And so worship is a part of this greater picture of remembering the benefits of God, remembering what God does. And as we begin to do that, we become harmonized with all the other parts of his creation, including other believers, the angels, heavenly hosts, and all his works everywhere in his dominion. So it might surprise you to know, but God is a happy, happy God. He's the happy God. And uh, if you understand that, you understand then our, your place in it, right? Because sometimes we come in, I don't know whether I should be sad, glad, kind of in between. You know, happy is a good word. <laughs> because this entire passage that we just uh, read is about the happy God. All the things that he does, how he establishes his throne, so on and so forth, it's, it's amazing. And so it turns out that not only are other believers happy, but the angels are happy, the heavenly hosts are happy, and all his works everywhere in his dominion are happy. That's why it says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. And there's some weird stuff in those heavenly hosts. You ever notice that in Revelation? There's some weird stuff. People, sorry, but it's gross, or whatever they are. I mean, uh, beings of some kind, they're, they're there, but they're all happy. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So when I find myself worshiping, I'm in that place, right? Nature itself even teaches us about the happiness of God. Uh, and matter of fact, as I just before I get there, if you just uh, just stop and think about that for a moment, um, you know, when we think of nature, we we don't we think of it as sort of this inanimate thing, but it's alive. It's well, it, it speaks, and, and and there's things that we can learn from nature, and even. Um, the Bible says this, You'll go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst in song before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So nature speaks of God's design and desire. The mountains and the hills burst into song. It's a, you know, have you ever done that when you've been into a beautiful place? It's as if you don't need anything else. It's there, it just there before you, Yosemite, another place. And even just out on the beach or wherever. Or you know, That's one thing I love about California is the certain times of the year and the weather, and it's just perfect, you know. It's just beautiful. There's, the heavens speak. The nat- nature speaks. Everything's in harmony, right? And... Uh, you know, I just 
reading this weird passage in Job. That's a strange place to go for today, isn't it? But uh, God's talking to Job, and he says, Where were you when I laid the foundation, when, uh, when I put its uh, foundations in place? And then he says, While the morning stars sung together, and all the angels shouted for joy. Isn't that amazing? Heaven is happy. God is happy. Isaiah 55, 12 to 13, The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. I love these verses so much. So as we remember God's benefits, we remember Him and His world. You become into harmony with Him when you remember His goodness and His glory. You get in harmony with all the created things around you and all the heavenly creatures which are so strange. Isn't it amazing that when the world was created, the angels were shouting with joy. The angels were shouting with joy. Right. That's amazing. So when we remember God's benefits, and we begin to see around us the glory of God. We enter into nature, and we enter into the very, I can say it this way, the nature of nature, and the nature of the heavens and the heavenly beings. Though sin is destroyed and tried to steal, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yet God came, they might have life and have it abundantly. And so this abundance is in God and available in God. Not only just the abundance financially otherwise, but the joy of the Lord. So when you get to this place, you start remembering God's benefits and you begin to get happy. You begin to join all of heaven that's happy. I think one of our deepest and darkest pictures sometimes of God comes sometimes from inappropriate explanations of God or even pictures of God. Sometimes we have to work through that religious stuff a little bit. Matter of fact, sometimes the enemy is more than happy to help us out. We read something that maybe we failed in or maybe we could do better in, you know, and then the enemy's in there yakking. And so God meant to convict you a little bit to turn you back into joy. And what did the enemy do? He, he condemns, he yaks, he makes it, he twists it, right? So many of us live under burdens that um, we shouldn't be bearing. There's no burden any human carrier carries that is heavier than guilt. God sent Jesus so we can truly experience the benefits of forgiveness and healing. The most important reasons to truly praise God. And so we begin to look at this psalm again, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, verse 2, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Forget not his benefits. Forget not his benefits. Because of Jesus, God redeems our lives from the pit. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. How have you been delivered from a pit or two? <laughs> That's how he does it. He takes you out of the pit and the pits, right? And he does it all the time, even after you know the Lord. And then what does he do? Every time he does that, watch for it, look for it. The crown that God wants to put on your head of love and compassion. Sometimes we get tired and we get delivered from something that's not so great, right? But you know what? Even in this pandemic, I'm already beginning to enjoy my crown of love and compassion. I'm already beginning to look forward. And I'm already in that space. I'm already re rejoicing and being redeemed from the pit. Matter of fact, I'm noticing that when you walk with God closely, this is what you do. You seem to be out of step with the rest of the world. And sometimes out of step with the rest of the religious world. So I've been going to some meetings of pastors and stuff. And let me tell you, um, there's been some pretty hard times, you know. And I'm sitting there, and I, I'm bubbling. I mean, and I'm embarrassed that I'm bubbling. I can't stop bubbling, you know. And, um, and I don't even know how to talk, because by the time they all get done talking, you know, they're, you know they're, boy, it's just like, whoa. And I'm just bubbling, 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 you know. And uh, I just think it's part of that, uh, I don't know. 
I just, through this crisis that we've been in, I've, I've just uh, been just loving to find the other side. I know this is true. Uh, who redeems your life from the pit, yes. But then see, like when you get on the other side of the pit, that's the whole thing. How good it feels to be crowned with love and compassion on the other side of the pit. And even while I'm in the pit, right? So it's so important that we sort of keep our eyes there. Because of Jesus, God redeems our lives from the pit. We, 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 he redeems us from, being, uh, from hell itself and separation from God. And that's the worst part. This crisis that we've been in and other things, you've got to be careful with yourself. Whatever you do, whatever political view you hold, whatever uh, zeal you get or, or whatever fear you have, whatever you do, do not let it separate you from God. So how could I be separated from God? Don't let it separate you from the good view of God, the grace of God. Because I assure you, heaven's not wringing its hands over this situation. He's the one that said, all things work together for good, for them that love the Lord are called according to his purpose. So he's not worried, right? He's the one that also said, Isaiah 53, 5, by his wounds we are healed. See, Jesus took the bad stuff. And we get the good stuff. How about that? That sounds like a good scripture. I get Jesus took the bad stuff, and I get the good stuff. In every difficult situation and circumstance, uh, there is a way out. I like some simple uh, uh, passages. They're so simple yet so profound, like James 5, 16, 17, and 18. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, because sin, failure, even wrong and stinky thinking seems to do something to us. It messes us up. It makes us sick, if not in body and in, then in spirit. But listen to this. That the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What makes you a righteous person? If it was your good works, you'd be in big trouble. What makes you righteous is the blood of Jesus. What Jesus did for you on the cross makes you righteous. So now when there's trouble, when there's problems, we can... Go to God powerfully and effective. We're righteous by the blood of Jesus. We're like Elijah. The Bible in the New Testament compares us to Elijah. How many have read anything about Elijah? Anybody ever read anything about Elijah? He did a few cool things, you know. <laughs> Called fire down from heaven. Told everybody it's not going to rain till I say so. <laughs> then when he said so, he went and told the king, hey, it's going to rain. Even people were afraid to meet him on the road for the news, you know, he would give. They didn't know, you know, that Elijah was this amazing person, but he was a human being, and then it goes like this. Even as we are. Ah, uh, yeah, me and Elijah, we're just like this. Yes, that's the good news. God's benefits. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain. And the earth produces crops. Wow. That's pretty good. Remember we got a little taste of that? Just a tiny taste. Remember during the drought? Some of you were there. I wonder how many were there. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so we were out there praying, right? And we had all the churches gathered together outside, you know? And it hadn't rained for so long, and it, we're in the middle of a drought, and that was one of our main things. And, uh, and we got up on the stage, and it started clouding up, right? And they gave me... The part where you pray for the rain, right? Because they were praying for the government and everything. So I'm praying out there, you know, and I'm thinking, man, it's getting cloudy. And this is amazing, you know. And I, and I began to get worried. The women, You know, just like it was going to rain. It hadn't rained in a long time. So I said, so I got to my part where I'm supposed to ask for the rain. So I said, Lord, I pray for the rain. But if you could just wait a couple of hours till we're done, we would greatly appreciate it. So two hours later... They stop, and the rain just starts coming down. I mean, to the button. And everybody knew in that place what had happened, right? Just right down. The rain starts coming, and everybody's running around, and everything, right as we finished. That was amazing. I, that's as close as I got to praying down rain, but it was amazing. Or at least that I can think of. Maybe I've done that many times, and we just didn't appreciate God for what he did, right? I love Psalm 103.4. I love this psalm so much. It just so... Nice to go through and think about it a little bit, right? Who redeems your life, verse 4, from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. What a great thing. Even before it, 
it says something else, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So those two verses are so powerful. All, all, that's the thing that sticks out to me. All my sins, all my diseases. Not just some of my sins, but all my diseases. So for me, I have this tendency to think about everybody as a possibility to get healed, right? Sometimes it doesn't work out like we did, but if you don't get healed in this life, you get healed on that one. But there's enough to go around, because we're all going to be in heaven completely whole and healthy with the Lord. But then there's this promise that we should also look at. He's after our diseases too, right? He's after our diseases. And he redeems our life from the pit and all this. By his wounds we're healed and every difficult situation and circumstance. On your outline, D. God crowned you with love and compassion. I like that. I'm crowned with love and compassion. The crown identifies and distinguishes with, with honor, blessing, and authority in the world. I'm just anybody. I'm, I'm crowned. God crowns me. He cares that much about me. If you look at uh, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah, sorry, uh, yeah, Isaiah 54, verses 11. What does it mean to be crowned? I want to read some verses that I think might describe being crowned with honor, blessing, and authority in the world. Okay? And these are powerful passages. I don't know if you've seen some of these passages, but they're all for us, right? Listen to this. Isaiah 54. Now, you have to understand, this is a picture of what salvation is. It's prophesying. Isaiah is prophesying all the way, prophesying all the way down into the future of what it's going to be like uh, for people to know Jesus, to be completely reconciled to God in his time, but especially it applies in our time. Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted. Anybody felt that? I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis lazuli. Now I know that's sort of an ancient description, but you get the idea. I'm going to give you something beautiful. I will make your battlements of rubies. This is describing the outside of their fortress. Your gates of sparkling jewels and all your walls of precious stones. So that's nice and symbolic, and then it gets really practical. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. That's a benefit from heaven. How's that sound? Anybody like that idea? If you would like all your children to be taught by the Lord, a great will be their peace. Raise your right hand. Wow. I declare that over this great assembly. Keep your hand up. Don't let it go down. Lord, we wave our hand at you. All our children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Shalom. Every part of them, their health, their body, their mind, their spirit, that's what that means. Great will be their shalom. That means everything. Shalom has this way of every part. I see some of you raising your hand in advance for your children to come. That's very smart. I used to do that. All your children, children to come, will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. You thought I didn't see you, did you? And righteousness, some of you that raised your hand for that, you're going to have kids pretty soon, so better watch it. And righteousness shall be established. Tyranny will be far from you, you will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. Lord, I declare no spirit of terror on us in Jesus' name. Every time terror comes knocking at your door, just give them the scripture and say, I, I, tyranny will be far from me. I have nothing to fear. Terror is far removed because I belong to the happy God. His name is Jesus and I get benefits with him. This is one of them. Terror will be far removed. What a great passage. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. I didn't do it. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Wow. How does that fit in today's world? Lord, I declare everyone that's attacking the church, everyone that's attacking anything that's yours, anything that belongs to you, any institution, any principle that's yours, I declare they will surrender to us. I declare they will surrender. It's not the Lord's doing. Negativity, a disease, sickness, it's not the Lord's doing. I like that so much. Sometimes we get confused about that. See, we get confused. It's like judo. You know, that's what we're talking about here. So judo is the art of taking a person's momentum that's coming after you and turn it into your own momentum, right? <laughs> right? That's what we're doing. So with these attacks, 
It just comes and then we just turn it into momentum for God. That is happening right now. Did you know that? As long as there are believers on the earth, this will always happen. So whatever is attacking us, whatever is coming after us, and, and the things that are godly, right, will surrender to us. You should just put that on your refrigerator. Because I can feel it even now it's happening. It's in motion right now. And it's not because of any a political party or political stature. It's because of the people of God who are declaring these things. Understand these are true. We literally walk to the beat of a different drummer and a different authority and a different kingdom. And this is the kingdom we are a part of. And as we do it, we not only leaven our own lives, but we also leaven everything around us. Right? Because we have this wonderful habit of not only praying for ourselves and looking after ourselves, but as Jesus taught us to do, looking after other people. See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its, war, for its work. It is I who have created the destroyer to re- create havoc. Oh, wow. What does that mean? I don't know exactly, but let's go on to the next thing. No, I. Here's what he's getting at, verse 17, with that one that I just read. No weapon forged against you will prevail. So if weapons come and God allows them, it will not prevail. He turns them around and he uses them for his own purpose. God's already doing that right now for us. He's using all this stuff that's been happening for his own purposes. I'll tell you what, I hear it in the worship. When you worship here, I hear the sound of God. It's a sound that wasn't here a few months ago, wasn't here a year ago, wasn't here two years ago. A sound. It's the sound of God's people. It's the sound of joy. It's the sound of victory. It's the sound of authority. It's the sound of yearning for God. That's why sometimes things get forged in the darkness. But no weapon forged against you will prevail. You'll refute every tongue that accuses you. So forgive us when we stand up and say, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. I'm going to take that. We're not going to do that. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. He crowns us with love and compassion. This crown isn't just a little decorative item. It has authority in it, right? It identifies and distinguishes us with honor, blessing, and authority in the world. Romans 8, 31 to 32 is very similar. Just a simple, wonderful, beautiful uh, declaration. It's so powerful, right? What then shall we say in response to these things? What things? All bad things. <laughs> if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If he gave us one blessing, a little blessing, this over there, this over there, Why wouldn't he not give us all things in light of this incredible sacrifice because of what Jesus did for us? It doesn't take lightly what his son did. And I have these other verses here, but I I just can't help but to read them. Who who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You know, God's praying for us. And His prayers always get answered. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Wow. No. Verse 37, all these things were more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's God's benefit, isn't it? We can expect good things to come toward us so that our youth even is renewed like the eagles. Going back to Psalm 103, verse 5. I didn't know this about eagles 
But I found out that eagles live to over 100 years old often. And when they get around 100, guess what happens? They lose all their feathers and they go bald. (laughs) But then the new feathers come back. And they have great strength and vision at a very, very advanced age. From now on, you can call me Mike Eagle Hudgens. I'm an eagle. Eagle Mike. I got new feathers. I'm getting stronger every day. Why not? If God be for me, who could be against me? What an amazing thing. My youth is being renewed like the eagles. I'm getting stronger. I'm becoming more effective. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Why would you go through this whole lifetime learning, walking with God, and not be smart, not be useful, not be more valuable than anything? You've seen it all. As long as you don't get jaded, as long as you don't get bitter, just let the Lord keep taking you higher. And even if you go bald for a while, you still get your authority. I don't think Eddie and I are in danger of doing that. I think we're doing pretty good with the bald part. Look at Roman numeral 2. Remembering God's character and compassion helps us experience the benefits of God's love for us. The Lord's compassion and gracious, verse 8. Slow to anger, abounding in love. He doesn't always accuse. We just have to remember that sometimes because sometimes the enemy gets it all turned around and we think God's angry at us. He doesn't harbor his anger forever. Even when we have negative things, they don't stay forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. This is the thing. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That's pretty high. Can I say that again? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. What a beautiful, these are beautiful passages of of scripture. They're, They're amazing. Even when we're oppressed, we're never far from God's deliverance. He works justice for us. He works justice for us. Verse 6, he works justice for all the oppressed. I like Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. I love these so much. I love these passages. I don't know about you, but during this time, and I do it a lot, I just live off these passages. They're so amazingly true and encouraging. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. It's obviously what Jesus went through. He was anointed, but then little Jesus is called Christians, got the same anointing. He has sent us to bind up the broken heart and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's why we have to stand up. We have to remember God's benefits. And in this dark time, we have to remember and declare, and we should be declaring that this is the year of the Lord's favor. But every year is the year of the Lord's favor. (laughs) Since Jesus, did you know that? And the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. That's our job. That's what we do, but that's what God does with us. Even we are, when we are oppressed, we're never far from God's deliverance. He bestows on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. We're going to be called oaks of righteousness, the plan of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We go through these times, and instead of mourning, we get joy. We walk to the beat of a different drummer. We're wearing different clothes and garments, and it's going to be weirder and weirder. The darker and darker the world gets, the weirder and weirder we're going to appear, because we're just not going to be like them. We can't. The Spirit of God's in there. Jesus is on us. That's what he does. We can live without guilt and condemnation. We're free. I love, again, Psalm 103, these, these verses. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse and will harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. We can experience the very compassion of our Father, God. And I love that mention in uh, Psalm 103. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. 
His Father has compassion on His children, so the Lord has compassion on us. So we like to talk about this a lot, so I'm going to talk a little bit more of it in two key passages. And if you didn't get anything else from what I said today, I, I hope and pray that you will understand that if you haven't had experiences like this in God, they are available to you. Maybe you didn't know that how good we're, uh, our walk with the Lord is supposed to be, how much uh, goodness and love they're supposed to be experienced, right? But I'm just going to tell you this as a revelation of the Scripture, but I just want you to know that I've been experiencing this more and more with every year that goes by. I can find this love. I, and it's um, so amazing and so uh, dramatic. I never dreamed in my Christian walk that I could actually begin to grasp how wide and high and deep is the love of Christ, but it's part of what I've been given. And it's just hard not to be like a little happy, you know. <laughs> it's hard to grieve too much, really, not by your own strength, but because of God's strength. This is what we inherited as the servants of the Lord. It's amazing how many church traditions and so many times in our walk with the Lord as individuals, no matter what our church tradition, we don't understand these things. I'm not just talking about at a mental level. We understand a lot from the scripture mentally, but not necessarily emotionally. So when I see an emotional passage, I want to know what that's like. I don't want to just carry it out here and memorize it so I could recite it. I, I want whatever is in that place. So what does this mean? For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Who's I here? Paul. This must have been his experience. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So evidently the spirit of God does something in our inner being that has riches in it. Here they are, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Well, this is an amazing thing. So he's not just praying this and it doesn't happen. He's praying it to happen. I pray this to happen to my life. And it happens. And it's happening even more as I get older. And stronger, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You want to be filled to the fullness of God? Then get filled with the love of God to the place where you grasp this or you begin to get the dimensions of it. And faith and everything else you need in God will be right there in full supply. Sometimes we just get in a place where we just don't think God loves us. We get really empty in that space. But it's this what drives us. It's this what, what causes us to remember God's benefits. Man, you can't help it when you feel God's love and you are after God's love. And when you answer every situation, it's, okay, where's the love in this thing? God, what are you doing here? I know it's a good thing because you said also that all things are working together for my good according to your purpose. And it's according to a loving purpose. So where is the good here? Where can I find you, God? Who are, where are you here? That takes faith, but it doesn't take as much faith as you would think. It's actually easier to do that. The hard road is being negative about everything, thinking everything is going to fall apart, terrorized by every circumstance, by every commercial on the TV, by every pronouncement by a politician. This life of terror, it's just stupid. <laughs> it's not fruitful. Especially when God's saying, you know, i got to go out of my way to say this, but I'm going to say this in a hundred different ways. But here's another one in Ephesians. There's a, evidently an experience in God, experiences with God by the Spirit, where we can have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The only time I get in trouble is when I run out of love. What I mean by that is I run out of understanding this. I, my spirit goes dry, and I can't think this way. I'm not aware. So I just go right back to where I know the truth is. And I ask God, God, I need your compassion. I need this love again. I need a refill. <laughs> I need a refill. Worship helps a lot, doesn't it? But what happens when you're out in the world? What about that, right? He's there too. You can worship. You can see things in a different light. Matter of fact, I think half of this scripture is just looking at life in a different lens. So when you see things, look at it in just a different way.
That's why we've got to be really careful in this time to stay close to God's love so we can get the right lens to look at the politics and what's being said. There's a lot of truth being given out there, right? But not viewed through the lens of love. What it does, it can get distorted. You can become tainted. You can actually become like the people that you are disdaining or you don't like. You can actually become like them instead of transcending them. The world doesn't know what to do with happy, loving people. They think you're on something. You're doing something, you know, you, you are, maybe you just have a dose of unreality. I think you can see the truth and see love at the same time. Love means I'm positive about the truth. Love means I know how to organize the truth and where it belongs in my life and where it belongs in our country's life or in our church's life, right? It comes from the inside. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8, are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves. Sometimes I think there's some Christians that are being made slaves. I think there's a place to stand up, and we're standing. But you can stand up in love. When you stand up in love, you're much stronger. Hold your opinions. Hold the truth. But also, don't get freaked out by it. You know don't be angry. <laughs> Just be convicted. There's a difference there. There's an envy. The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. So that's where love saves the day. You feel God's love inside of you. Sometimes when I see people, and it's happening to me more and more, people I don't understand. One of those categories is sometimes people that get into a homeless place. You know, I've just learned over time God's given me eyes for them. And I climb into where they're at and I can see. And it gives me so much compassion and so much love and so much desire to help. Same thing with people that are off, you know. Really off. Angry people. You know, just take a little look behind and maybe see what's behind there. All that fear, insecurity, worry, right? We should see them through those eyes and then we'll get wisdom. Because when we get that love, we get the wisdom to know what to do. Because there is a proper time and procedure, and sometimes as a church we have to be really bold, and we have to make really hard decisions, right? But all along, God's in it. All along, if you can't feel the love, you can't understand what you're supposed to do. Love will make you like absolute iron. It does not make you like putty. It will make you more convicted over the things you should be convicted about than anything else. Dogma is one thing. Love and truth going together, hanging around your neck will put you in the right perspective, help you in the right, say the right things in the right conversation to your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, even politically. The spirit you receive does not make you a slave because we know when you get in that other spirit you, and you're afraid, you get, become a slave of it. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by we cry, Abba, Father. And you've heard me say this many times. That word cry is an animal shriek and Abba is a familiar word. Daddy, we shriek out. That's that personal, that Aware that that amazing sometimes the spirit of adoption, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That's where we get the word for martyr, with our spirit that we are God's kids. But if we're kids, we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We share in his sufferings, but we also share in his glory. And there's a lot of glory to be shared even in this time of suffering. We're heirs. We, we inherit all things. We have this amazing ability about us. It's wonderful. Remembering God's benefits often starts from the inside out. When you get new glasses, new point of view, and God will do that. Because you know what? He's there already. He's the happy God. As believers, our most important benefit from God is His eternal love and salvation. Psalm 103. Let's go back there. Verses 15 to 18. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And it remembers its place, remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him. That's a long time. And His righteousness with their children's children. Even with your children, He's with, with those who keep His covenant. Remember to obey His precepts. We will live this, leave this temporary place for an eternal place. God knew us before the world began. And we will have a place in the world to come from everlasting to everlasting. That's our understanding. We're not only for this life, but for one that continues on and on and on, described as everlasting. Isn't that amazing? For those that keep His covenant, that walk with Him.
That's our place. John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus said, I have a place for you. I, I prepare a place for you. He said, if I hadn't prepared for a place with you, I, w- I would tell you. John 14, verses 1 to 3, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm not... Uh, would I not... If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going, right? Well, they weren't so, quite so certain, but they got the hang of it as they began to walk their Christian walk with the Lord out. So we can expect to leave an inheritance to our children and our children's tr- children, according to this Psalm 103, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with him who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. So, thing is, though with things that we're preparing, the things that we're going through, God will be faithful to your children and your children's children. I don't care what's going on on the outside. God's faithful to your children and your children's children. That's part of the inheritance of the saints. That's how far God's love goes. You have an encounter with Jesus and the love of God, and it goes to your kids and then beyond them to your grandkids. Now I just want to read this last part. Why don't we all stand? Verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Wow. Lord, we just thank you for your benefits here today. Lord, I declare today all things are working together for our good. I declare today that in this time of hardship, we can actually be happy. We can march to a different rhythm. We have something else going inside of us than the world. And also in that space, I declare, and I'm just going to pray over you, how many need wisdom for navigating what you got to navigate here in even the next several days. Raise your hand. Lord, I declare wisdom over you. I declare the wisdom of the Lord. May the Lord give you wisdom. Look for it. It's your heritage. It's part of God's love. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's what he said. And so he's going to give you wisdom for your life and your job with your family, situations. God cares about it all. And we'll get all of our kids. All my children will be taught of the Lord. And great will be their peace. All my children will be taught of the Lord. And great will be their peace. The word peace is not just inner peace, it's the word shalom. It means in every area of their life. Shalom's a big word. It includes your finances, it includes your emotions. All my children be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. I just as we just are here before the Lord, I just encourage you today. Just to pause for a few minutes. And ask the Lord's great love to rest on you. You don't have to hold your mouth just right. You don't have to do anything spectacular. You just have to ask God and say, God, would you just release your love on me again today? Would you just assure me that I'm going to be okay? You might just want to just even just take a moment and say, God, I, I trust you. I believe I'm going to be all right. I believe that all things are going to work together for my good.
according to your purpose. I believe if God is for me, who could be against me? I believe all things are working together for my good because I'm blood-bought, a son and daughter of the Most High God. He's number one in my life. And He's number one in my children's life by extension and in my grandchildren. I can feel just the wonderful weight of the Father's love on us here today. When we say that, we mean not only that Jesus loves us and we can get it mentally, but God often brings His Spirit and just rests on, rests on us and lets us know. Some of you are worried about your children. Some of you are worried about your finances. Some of you are worried about decisions you have to make. Some of you are worried about career. Some of you are worried about where you're going to live. Some of our lives have been really disrupted by this mess. But God prevails above all, promise above all. And all we have to do is just say yes and let Him touch us inside. When love touches you inside, everything's okay. That's how you know you got it. I just thought maybe there might be some that would like to come in the few minutes we have left and just come to the front and let love touch them. Let the Father's love just drape over you. Say, Lord, let God's love come on me. Love of God just fall on me. If you'd like to do that, come up to the front. And if you'd like to stay in your chair and do it, that's fine. But whatever you do, don't get disconnected from this space in a minute I'll dismiss just take a few moments turn your face to your heavenly father and say Lord I love you would you just let me feel your presence in this time would you rest on me so worship just let him come